This is Here Now the News. I'm Jerry Barmash. John Gary is one of the top voiceover artists in the country. For 30 years, his powerfully deep sound has been featured in network promos, commercials, and movie trailers. As someone in broadcasting for years who has dabbled in voiceovers, this is personally an exciting interview. John discusses his move from radio to VO, complete with a move across country to find his new career. He talks about how competitive the industry is, even for someone as popular as him. And if you want to rise to his status, John says, you better be ready with perseverance. His voice is probably most associated with... of the National Football League. Glad to be here. Glad to be alive. You know, they have many voices. I've been very fortunate to be one of those, one of those voices I mean, for you know, quite some time. Man. I mean, um, I love Fox. <laughs> I love Fox. Yeah, I do. I love, um, you know, it was a dream job that I wanted. And, and uh, when it was first presented, I did not get it. Uh, the great Dick Erbersty was the voice of Fox NFL from its inception, you know, um, and he's an amazing dude, you know what I mean? Um, we didn't traverse this uh, landscape a lot together, but, you know, there were times in studios when we used to go to studios when I would see him and uh, and watch him uh, you know, work. Um he was always a wonderfully affable person. He still is. Uh, I see his Facebook and I see him, you know, in that way. But um, he had the job and I wanted it. And when he dropped it, I still wanted it bad. <laughs> I didn't get it. I didn't get it. That, that hurt. It really hurt. But um, it came back around and it found me. And it's just a dream job, like I said, man. So, How long have uh, you that, been doing Fox? I think the I think the NFL has been I think I'm going into my eighth season, I think something like that eighth or ninth season. Uh, NASCAR, I've been doing NASCAR. I guess I think I started NASCAR around the same time I started doing baseball when I first got into Fox, and um, that was that was a long time ago. I don't even remember how long ago that was. It was like twenty years, I think, maybe a little bit more, something like that. Um, you know, we, uh, we 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 grew up in 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 the business of radio in in uh, New London, Connecticut, and New London and Waterford are you know, brother and sisters. And Waterford Speedball was one of the big sponsors on our dinky radio station. And one night they asked me to come out, and we were kids. And one night they asked me to come out and do the demolition derby. And just before the demolition derby, uh, they had a little uh, sprint race because it's like a quarter mile oval. And then after that, uh, after the derby, they had like a, a full on uh, duster. And uh, I just fell in love with it, man. I, I just I fell in love with NASCAR right then and there. I was like, yeah, uh, I love this. I love that. I love the, the sound and the spirit and the whole thing, man. I'm just no, really in love with your voice, by the way. It's just, it's just, it's, you know, you gotta, it's to, 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 you know, people, like you said, man, people thinking about wanting to be involved in something like voiceover. Well, like anything in life, if you're going to succeed at it, if you really have a passion for it, this is not just something you feel like, Hey, you know, I need some work. I'm going to go do voiceover. This just ain't that. 
it's just like anything that you plan to be a success at, you got to have a passion for it. It's got to be something that burns inside of you, something that you're addicted to, some something that drives you, makes you get up every day and want to be doing that. I mean, this is not easy, man. It's not for the faint of heart. It's you know, like anything that has to do with acting or which is which is what it is. It's really acting. It's not just standing in front of a microphone, you know, talking to people or talking to yourself. It's it's it takes you know it takes a, quite a bit of of intuitive acting and a learning. It's a learning thing, dude. I'm been in this thing for a long time. I'm still learning every day. I learn from people. I steal from people. There's a lot of, like you yourself, you've been involved in the broadcast industry for a good number of years. Have you ever not spent a day not learning something new? No, always. Yeah, even forever, right? I'm I'm trying to learn right now. Hopefully <laughs> yeah. something will rub off on me a little bit. Well, yeah, man. And so in that regard, just to just look at it as a fluff piece that you're just going to do because you're out of work. I don't think that's what you should look at it as, man. It's not, it's just, this is a passion, man. This is a passion. And if you have the passion, then that makes it all the more easier to be part of it inside of it, you know, totally engrossed by it. I said, everybody, I said to my, even my wife and my kids, I say, Hey, you see this booth right here. I love that. That's my first love. That microphone, that's my first love. That I'm in love with that microphone. Things will come and go, but that microphone stays. Yeah, I, think, I, I totally can understand that, and I can relate at a much smaller level, but uh, I can relate. I, I wonder, Dude, don't, discount, don't discount your level. This ain't about levels. It's just about the passion. You know, you, like, you know what I'm saying, man. No, no, I, I totally understand that. By the um, way, that microphone there, I, that was my first microphone I ever bought, RE20. Yeah. I, still, I still have it. Oh, you can see it. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I was going to say, wow, how did you know that? Yeah. First yeah, microphone yeah, I ever bought. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've used that for, for anchoring. I've used it for some, yeah. demo, for some demos and some voiceover stuff, and, and it works perfectly yeah. for the, yeah, uh, I got the a, podcast. I got a lot of microphones, man. <laughs> I spent a lot of dough on microphones. Yeah. How many hours, like on a typical day, how many hours do you work? I don't work in terms of hours. I just work in terms of minutes and seconds <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't i can't tell you I mean, there's days i don't do anything and there's days and i do a lot of different things but they're never hours it's only however long it takes i just well, know the only reason i say because you said before it's not for the faint of heart but you don't have a that bad of a schedule then no but you know you know that little paradigm of it takes ten thousand hours in order to become predominantly functional at something right right <laughs> you right. know you know i mean i think i've committed my ten thousand, but yeah certainly man i mean every day i try to, i go in i exercise you know read try to learn something different try to go at something different try to self-coach try something new every day see if it works if it doesn't there's always the old tried and true you got to be yourself you know the first thing first about this business is is, is that Whoever you are, whatever you are, however you speak, whatever your voice is, doesn't matter the intonation and all of that. You know, don't be swayed by my voice being what it is. Is that that's just that's just not that anymore, man. Is everybody has a voice, and the business has learned that all those voices sing, 
and the appreciation for voices and the coloring of voices, more female voices are being accepted and, and they should be. And it's fantastic, man. And there's, a, there's no gender specification. There's no racial specification. There's no sexual orientation. It's just whatever your voice is, that's what it is. Be happy about it. You don't have to change it. And however you speak, be happy and be be comfortable. If you can be comfortable in how you speak and you can be articulate at least and sound halfway intelligent, that if you can read, and by reading, I mean, you know, if you can look at a page of, of something and actually understand what it is that the writer was trying to say and put forth, yeah, you can be successful. You can find success in this worldwide. I mean, dude, it's a worldwide situation, you know. This isn't just something that happens. You know, we go to, we do these things and you think, well, this is just something that's playing on Fox. Fox is around the world. It's a global corporation, you know. So every day your voice goes out all over the world, even on the internet. That's global, dude. You gotta, you gotta appreciate that. There's work out there. Yeah. But there's also work at the post office. Right. You gotta, oh, you, gotta, you, gotta, you, gotta, you know, Amazon, I should say. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to ask, my, my, my mind is going in, in several different yeah, places. Yeah, hit me, hit me. So let, don't let me just <laughs> run off because, you know, don't let me do that. Um, you mentioned about New London. Obviously, you, you started in radio and you mentioned also Mikey, uh, Mike Zirinax, mutual friend of ours. And he was on the podcast uh, previously. That's not my friend. That's my brother, man. I'm sorry, brother. Yes. That's my brother, um, man. Friend of we mine, came up through the mud and the blood. We came up through the mud and the blood together, man. Hey, for real. And and he was at uh, WCBS 880 for 20 yeah. or 24 oh, years. Yeah, man. What I wanted to ask you about going from radio to voiceovers, and it is such a challenge for people, as you, as you alluded to, how did you make that move? And did you know right from the start you had that voice that could make it as a voiceover artist? Didn't know anything about that, Dan. Um, I got started in radio. You know, I got this voice when I was a kid. It was a, it was a stunner. Uh, I was working at a at a defense plant, and um, somebody sent me an angel, and the angel said, "With a voice like yours, I'd be in radio." And I didn't hear it the first time, and then maybe six months later, I heard it again, and I went and investigated, and I you know ended up getting into radio and couldn't get hired. Funny, Mikey was working, and that's when we first met. I got a job because I volunteered to do production for this uh community service show this guy was having uh did the production did the commercials and mikey said to the program director says if you don't hire that guy somebody else is gonna <laughs> so so he got me hired <laughs> he got me my first radio job and uh, and that's how and that's how i started and oddly enough years later it was mike who said hey man if you don't if you don't get out of here you're never gonna you're never gonna survive so what you want to do, nobody does here. I couldn't even do it in New York. You know, nobody was doing trailers in New York. That wasn't happening. Commercials, yes. Trailers, no. At that time, that wasn't, you know, it was all, everything was Los Angeles. So you had to be here. So that was the dream. You knew you were going to get into trailers. That was, that was where you were, your hope was. Well, that was, yeah, that was the, that was the dream. Yeah, sure. But again, <laughs> I got here and the rude awakening is you walk out here and you just don't walk in. So, um, so I took a lot of, I had to work and I had to hustle and I was doing a lot of hustling. And one of the hustles that I had was I was uh, an apartment building manager and the guy that owned my apartment building was Leonard Nimoy. 
<laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy. Because I had like five jobs, man. And one of those other jobs was I started doing um, radio with a couple of stations here, around here. And one of the stations also had a link to Metro Traffic. So I was doing like five stations through a portal there. And then one morning, about 5 a.m., one of the dudes who was the voice of the uh, of the Dodgers at the time came down the hall and he said, "Hey, hey, John, you hear that the Lakers are uh, they're doing tryouts for the forum announcer? The forum was still open." And I was like, "No, yeah, you should try." I was like, "How do I do that?" He said, "I don't know. You got to get invited." So I spent like three hours from five to eight a.m. trying to get invited, <laughs> and I finally did. And it was the last day, and I had to go home and. Again, I get down to the forum. There must have been 200 guys there. It was <laughs> wild. You know, they walk you out and you sit down at the table and across the way is the whole, everybody. Mr. Johnson is there. Byron Scott's there. You know, Michael Cooper. You know, I mean, everybody. Mr. West is there. Of course, Mr. Buss is there. Everybody's there. And I did my thing and they gave me a standing ovation. They brought me back and taught me the NBA game and was like three people. And the very first night, I did something that caught James Worthy's ear. And as he was running back up to court, he just he rolled up on the scorer's table and says, you got the job. So that's the portal that got me into voiceover because somebody from, from one of the largest management companies in the world was uh, at the Laker game and uh, they called him up. And said, um, we want to change your life. And that was the beginning. That's how it started. So somebody heard you there doing the games. Yeah, because you had to do not just the game, but you had to read commercials. Sure enough, man, they changed my life. And then I then they took then they forced me to quit all my other jobs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so what was this around the early early nineties? Yeah. Yeah. You said worthy and magic. It was great. It was phenomenally great, man, I gotta tell you. Despite obviously your voice that you have, which must have been something when you you must have hit puberty one day and boom, this voice must have just arrived. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's exactly it. Really, like for real. You should have heard my voice before this. Holy shit! I was like Boy Elroy. It was crazy. From the Jetsons. Jetsons. Yeah, man. <laughs> and so you were late the, bloomer, and then this that you just uh, took off. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I was like I said, man, I had a tonsillitis for a week and got up one day and I answered the telephone and somebody said, uh, hey, is your dad there? I was like, no. And then, Who's that? John Gary. He said, hey, could you stop playing with the phone and get your dad? I was like, I don't know. So that was it, man. Did you have to do a lot of people? It seems almost a prerequisite that you have to have uh, voiceover coaching. Did you go that route? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It started like right off the bat, you know, um, you know, workshops and and coaching. And I did a lot of copycatting, you know, at the time, probably the preeminent greatest voice trailer voice ever in the history of trailers was Don LaFontaine. Don was also the voice of several of the major TV networks. No, those were dreams. Those were dreams. Those were things that, you know, that I wanted for myself. And I made it a point to make him my focus. It's like, hey, I want, I want that. That's what I want, that. 
Did he take a Don again, one of the, the greats, you know, right up there. If there was a Mount Rushmore, the greatest, the greatest, the, the, you, Mount Rushmore, there's only him. That's it. And the, oh. the voiceover, it's Don. That's it. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> there, are, there are other greats. I mean, there is a, there's a pantheon of, of, of greats in, in, in the business that we are in. Obviously I could, I could give you names. Most of the younger people won't know them. I was fortunate enough to meet these guys. And it's oddly enough, you got to understand people listening to us. We haven't, we haven't touched on the one uh, singularity that's, that's relevant to the story, which is I'm black, which, you know, people were like stunned. They're like, wait a minute. That, that's, that's John Gary. You know, like, yeah. Like, oh, okay. And it took, it took a bit. It did. It took a bit, but, but not in a bad way though. No, man. I mean, you got to understand um, the great Al Chalk had been here. He's one of Don's good friends uh, back in those days. You know, everybody was kind of like always out and about and you'd run into each other and stuff like that. And I was just this young punk kid. You know, I didn't know anything. I didn't know what the protocols were. So like I said, you know, I, I just I just rolled up and just rolled up on these guys and said, hey, you know, I'm here. I'm the new sheriff. Who need, who who wants some? Yeah, so <laughs> they were like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, so yeah, those were those were the guys I, I aimed for. You aim high, right? Aim high. Why not? And like I was saying earlier, maybe a little, you know, hopefully rubs off, and and you get some talent from you know, yeah. some knowledge yeah. from them. I'm sure. Did did Don take you under his wings at all? No. No, in fact, he wanted to take me out in the wing and shoot me. Is what he wanted to do. Why is that? Get me the fuck out the way. <laughs> it was not, it was, you know, it got to a thing where. Did he feel threatened by you? Yeah, I think so, man. I mean, no, it's definitely. I I was posing a threat purposely. Shit, what do you think? There's people out there right now. I turn on the television set and I hear him going, "What the fucking guy said something like this like me?" Like, fuck. I didn't really not need that today. But you know that is uh, that's the nature of the beast, man. Like I said, it's um, that's the nature. That's 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 the business you're in. You know, somebody's going to come at you sooner or later, right? Right. right. So, I mean, it's make- obviously it's highly competitive, and I guess that's that's a good thing if you can call it that because you're at the top of the mountain, and uh, people are always. Yeah. Come not me, right? not me. I'm not at the top of the mountain, no, dude. I haven't gotten there yet. No, I've been blessed, man. I'll say it that way. I've been mm-hmm. blessed. So you've been doing this for approximately thirty years. No, it's more like twenty. I think it's twenty-six years. All right, I round it up. That's okay. <laughs> That's all right, man. Um, yeah. And and Fox is on and off. What it's been twenty twenty years, right? More or less. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds to me like you would stay in this until you couldn't speak. Why not? Well, I don't have any plans to go somewhere. Like, what you got? You know something I don't know. No, <laughs> no <laughs> shit. I'm I'm home. Yeah. Listen, I was like I said, I was very fortunate to be the studio voice or the booth voice for every major network of the four networks on television, even uh, at one point, all four of them at one time, I think two points, all four of them at one time. I don't think anybody would have ever envisioned that a young black kid from nowhere would show up in Hollywood and 
do that. The Last Don, the miniseries event that captivated America. I have to show a little respect. Is back with a vengeance. I'm about to decide your destiny. Don't ever trust them. Danny Aiello, Kirstie Alley, Jason Gidrick, and Joe Mantegna star in the epic story of the last great American crime family. Mario Puzo's The Last Don, CBS Tonight, NBC Wednesday. All new episodes of The West Wing and Law and & Order continue. Take it easy. I won't take it easy! First, The West Wing takes a stand that enrages their enemies. You said it wasn't going to happen. Now, under attack, they refuse to roll over. Is that a first? Uh, the fact that, as far as I know, at first and only, I mean, dude... I don't think that they realized it at the time that they did it, which was pretty damn cool. You know, to be honest with you. Now, everybody can, you know, and not just black, but Hispanic and, and Asian and every culture can be a part of what's going on on television. That's, that's, that's a cool thing about TV. TV has evolved. It's a great world stage. I think, you know, you more so than it was when we, you know, when I'm it, sorry, what it was, you know, it's evolved to a much more. Much more, a much more world platform, I think, you know, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Over the years. And, and you've seen it in these, in these several, you know, in the decades that you've been doing Fox, you, you've done uh, trailers. Would you say that you um, took the mantle from, from Don as far as uh, doing trailers? There's a thousand of them and five of us. These odds are terrible. Mm -hmm. We need new odds. What? On May 5th, you only get one chance to save the galaxy twice. Here you stand, the hero. A garden of the galaxy. Guardians of the galaxy. No. Why would we be the gardens of the galaxy? <laughs> so stupid. Just how dangerous is he? He's a psychopathic killer, but so what? I'm looking for Llewellyn Moss. Do you want to leave a message? Yes. I can prepare you for him. You know how this is going to turn out, don't you? These people will kill me. They won't quit. They won't either. New Country for Old Men, rated R. No, I wanted to. He picked somebody else for that. I wanted it. We kind of had a little bit of a thing. And, uh, no, he, uh, he picked somebody else for that, but I've had, listen, I've had wonderful success uh, doing trailers. I mean, I've been, oh man, you gotta be kidding me. I've really had wonderful success doing that because that was a childhood dream as well. You go into a movie theater and the lights go down. I was always there for the, for the previews. I was always there for the, what was going on in the previews. Still, the, Somebody goes to a movie and say, that's my kids. Um, my, my family will tell you, it's, it's like, everybody shut up. Previews are on. Like, oh, don't bother, Dad. Previews are on. Don't forget it. So, yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite part of going to a movie theater. I miss that. Do you analyze, is it like how well they're, they're telling you the story or is it you're listening for the voice? I listen. Yeah. I listen to everything, every aspect of it, you know, um, you know, what is the texture? What is it? What is the product? What is, how's the story? How is it presented? You know, dude, I'm enthralled by it. It's amazing business, man. Come on. But, but be honest. Do you listen to people, whether it's TV or, or radio or promos or, or trailers and say, well, I could have done that better. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. Hell yeah. 
Even but, now, even today. Of course, but at the same time, again, what is it that's being presented and 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 how does that you know how does that lend to the voice that's being used and stuff like that? And and dude, you gotta make it a yeah, have an appreciation for all these voices now, man. And it's great. And you learn and like you said, yeah, always listening, always listening. How do you do something? How do they read things? Dude, you look at the celebrity voices. The thing about those guys is they're all actors. They come from an actor's background, and they understand all the levels of what it is that involves story and telling a story and being part of the story and putting that forth, breaking that fourth wall and saying, here's what you here's what's going on and relating it. And it's never a voice thing. It's just their truth. They're just being able to, to find the truth of something. And it takes away you thinking about your what you're doing or what you're saying or how you're saying it. And just, you're just saying it. And that lends to the whole, everything that comes out. You know, you take, the, you take your voice thing out of it and you tell somebody something true. And it should it should sound like it needs to sound. You don't have to worry about it. Do you listen to them and think, well, they're not really voiceover people. It should be at least the, the community of voiceover artists. Do you think no. they're infiltrating or no? No, 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 no. No, hell no, man. They're instructors. Dude, would you would you take Brian Cranston off of Ford right now? No, hell no. 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 That's the first Dude. one I'm thinking of. <laughs> Before him. I remember walking into a Mark Rowe Productions over in Burbank and seeing uh, Mr. Coburn, James Coburn, doing oh. Ford. And you wouldn't have taken him off of Ford. No hell, no. no. You know, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't drop that till he was gone. Right. You know, still Donald Sutherland is doing. Donald, would you take Donald Sutherland off of anything? No, still has that any. dude opens his mouth and just. <sighs> <laughs> magic flows out but for everyone else it can be a struggle probably for every one job that you book you're gonna have to read between you know 200 and 400 jobs because auditions are really just workouts they're just workouts but the same thing is for any acting on stage or anything like that you're working out you're working through uh, it's 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 finding out what works what doesn't and then how it lands and whether it lands or not and like i said letting it go and then dude it's gonna take anywhere from you know 200 or more and hit one thing speaking of auditions do you still do auditions or are you oh yeah of course no oh. well that's how you learn stuff you i know. thought that if they know they want john gary that's the voice they want well, they, they do it sometimes but here's the thing man sometimes john gary just goes in there and does whatever the fuck he wants and just because i'm just going hey i'm gonna try something different if it you know and you have to know it's crazy too because your agent will, will go will go like if you have an agent they'll go did you hear what that idiot just did I'm not sending that you know and they'll just pass on it but you do and you do that because you have more leeway at this point in your career you mean no I'm just trying to find out what what range of people are going to give me I see you know because a lot of people want to know just okay can he do this way up here is he, we know he's got this down here. Can he do this? Can he do this? You know, can he be broad? What is the spectrum of how we can make this guy move 
if we wanted to try something different, if we wanted to learn something about him, and we know we can do that, but, you know, does he have any other tricks? Does he know anything else? Despite his success, allowing him to fully provide for his family, John is not only humble, he is happy staying under the radar. I've always tried to be um, the man behind the curtain. I always wanted to be the man behind the curtain. Right, I wanted right. to be. So you never wanted to get into more on-camera stuff? No. Well, no. Early on, I did. I won't tell you the movies I was in. They're really bad movies. Carnosaur 3. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know. So you did a few uh, acting. You had some acting roles. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we can't find it online, even if we look. I'm, I'm sure you can. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you can. You know, yikes. Uh, well, you know, the whole, this, whole, this whole thing started how I actually got into SAG and how that helped me to get to Los Angeles was I got into a movie. I was out of work, as many times in radio you will be, especially if you always butt heads with the guys who have the power to throw you out, which is what I did all the time. Got into a movie by chance only because I had a vehicle that they wanted for the movie. And if you wanted to know what kind of vehicle it was, it was a rusted out 1970s Buick Regal. I used to call it Beirut. Ask Mikey. He'll tell you about it. I got it for like 50 bucks. And I was like I said, I was out of work, no money. And I, I needed this car. But um, these people came to town to shoot a movie back in, in, in Connecticut, in Stonington. There was a lady who had gone through uh, Mystic and Stonington and her car broke down. And in the midst of the, being in, the, in that area, she was at a pizzeria, which is right across the, uh, as you're actually leaving Mystic and going into Stonington, uh, there's a little hill there and, so the, and it's a little pizzeria. And so she sat down and wrote the outline for a movie called Mystic Pizza. Wow. And if you go through the cast run of Mystic Pizza, it's like a who's who of what became the young Hollywood because out of that became, came Julia Roberts, Lily Taylor, right. uh, Billy Moses, Conchita Farrell, who just passed away recently yeah. and on and on until you get to the 14 year old Matt Damon, who was also in I mean, it. It's just, it was just, it, it was, it was amazing. The Petrie brothers, who I think it was Dan Petrie, Don Petrie's brother, Dent, was the uh, director, and he wanted my car. And so I said, well, you know, I have to drive the car, man. You know, you just can't take my car, man. It's a car guy. So they said, okay, well, we'll put you in the movie as an extra. And so they put me in the movie. And then, um, and, oh, yeah, and Vinny D'Onofrio, who just come back from filming uh, Full Metal Jacket. They put me in this movie. They gave me, like, four lines in the movie, which uh, helped me get into SAG because, oh. obviously... You know, you got to get paid. So I said, well, if you put me in a union, then I won't have to do that. So they did. And so that was the first credit. And they spelled my name wrong in the credits. So oh. Gary, they spelled Gary with one R. One R started two R's. Yeah. So, but I still got in the union anyway. And that was, that's how it started. And you got yeah. in the movie. They didn't cut you. No, they cut, they cut three of my lines. They cut two of my lines. <laughs> and you don't really see me as much as you actually hear me. So, oh, okay. yeah. So there's that. You mentioned your studio. How long have you been doing that? And and was it just you were looking at the future and, and that was going to be the, the best? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here in Los Angeles, it's a city of 100 square miles. And a lot of studios in the day were 
all of those hundred square miles. <laughs> so you literally would spend all day on the road. Dude, that is just no fun. That is no fun. Not in Los Angeles, man. Mm-mm. And they like the city. In the city, you got studios on top of studios on top of studios. Everybody's like all of that area, you know. You know, you can be on 39th and, you know, you just swing around and you, you just go up on, you know, six or seven, you know, you're, you're right there. You know, you're, you're close by somebody, right? So here in Los Angeles, man, it was, holy crap, you had to be in Santa Monica and then you had to be in, you know, on the west side. Then you had to be on in, 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 in Los Feliz or, or you had to be up. In Burbank, uh, it, it was just a, it was a madhouse, man. While his professional home studio checks off convenience, John foregoes eye contact. Yeah, I, that's the only. That's the only. That's the one thing I think about the this digital part of it now that that I guess is kind of a little bit sad because you're not going to be in a room with all these wonderful people. You're kind of in your room. That is kind of sad. That's. that's there's a diaspora, I guess, of a uh, voiceover now, isn't it? Is that we're we're all spread out. I'm just a guy working. I mean, I ain't, I ain't nothing special. I'm just a guy working. In one day, the television event of the season is finally here. The X Factor Two Night Premiere begins tomorrow at eight seven Central on Fox. I'm a little guy. I'm I'm dude, dude. I mean, I, I I'm so happy for. The black voices, the red voices, the yellow voices, the beige voices, the brown. There was barely anybody when I started. Now there's everybody. That's pretty cool. Fucking phenomenal. And it just is, man. This these are memories that I wish I could share with everyone. I know I won't, but I'm so glad they're mine, you know, because Coming from where I came from, coming here, being a part of this, being accepted into it, I never would have dreamed it. I Mm. never would have. Fun to speak and listen to The Voice. Thanks again to John Gary for joining me on the pod. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends and share on social media. Speaking of which, you can reach out on Twitter at Jerry Barmash. Send me any questions or comments via email. HearNowTheNewsJB at gmail.com. Check out the Hear Now The News Facebook page as well. To help grow the podcast, would you consider making a donation to my Patreon Hear Now The News page? It's greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening and supporting Hear Now The News. I'm Jerry Barmash.